dangerously close. What's up, Wrestlemaniacs? It's me, Doug. And this episode was brought to you by WilliamMitchellAudio.com. Do you all remember Wrestlemania 5 when Hulk Hogan and The Undertaker and The Rock all tried to wrestle me at the same time? And I kicked all their asses because WilliamMitchellAudio.com had my back. So if you're looking for the highest quality audio engineering company in the whole goddamn US of A, then go to WilliamMitchellAudio.com. My guest today is Dwayne Colbert. Dwayne is an improviser from Los Angeles. He's a graduate of Second City Hollywood's improv, writing, long form, and directing programs. He's been a writer for Nickelodeon, has toured the Second City abroad with Norwegian Cruise Lines, and has appeared in numerous national commercials. Dwayne writes, performs, and directs improv and sketch comedy throughout the Los Angeles area at various comedy festivals around the country. I mean, he won an Emmy. I'm telling you, Dwayne's resume is like a mile long, so I'm going to stop now because if I read this, this is all, the whole podcast would just be me reading all of Dwayne's accomplishments, so I'm done doing that. Uh, what's up, Dwayne? Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's awesome that you framed them as accomplishments because oftentimes when they were happening, I always felt like they were failures. I'd be like, oh, I only got this far in this thing I wanted. I have time to move on to something else, but uh, I love the framing. <laughs> oh, dude, actually, man, this is kind of crazy because when I was just talking about your resume, you know, I was uh, just kind of going through your IMDb and mm -hmm. I clicked on the, the miscellaneous button because they have it all separated out, like things you've acted in and all this stuff. And I was like, what's miscellaneous? Yeah. And I clicked on it. And right there, it, it said Animaniacs and Life with Louie. And I was looking at the dates and I was like, is that, did you just start out like working on two of the funniest cartoons that ever existed? I love That's, both those cartoons so much. I've, I love them both as well. It was amazing that I even got the chance to, to work on those in the production. Um, when I was a production assistant for, I started off as an intern at a small animation house that used to be in Glendale called Hyperion Animation or Hyperion Studios. Uh, some ex-Disney execs had started their own animation house. They did Life with Louie. They did Happily Ever After on HBO. They did Brave Little Toaster series. Um, it was a nice little place to be. And it was just like I was, you know, Googled how to be an animator. And they were like, yeah. well, you got to go to these places and do these things. And you can get in internships. So, um, I was still in school at the time. So I was like, well, let me just see if I can get an internship at a small animation house. So I uh, got an internship there. And I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to make sure that I put my nose to the grindstone and and anytime they even think of me or look up and see me in my face i'm working hard just making a copy i just wanted to learn the process of animation so that was a great great training ground being at hyperion uh, working on life with louis i even did a couple scratch what we call scratch voices those aren't actual you know actors that they would normally put on there but temporary voices to help out the storyboard artists or animators so i even did a few scratch voices that i still have vhs tape of oh, me doing for life cool. with louis so uh, uh, so actually, like, so, so you're you were just first starting out. You're working on Life with Louis, and then you're actually in the booth doing voices with Louis Anderson. Was that like, not with Louis? I wish. Uh, uh, I later did get to work with Louis um, on an, a live action show called Baskets that he helped uh, he produced as well, um, which was awesome. That was an amazing experience. But uh, at the time, no, uh, it was just like they had a small little booth within the studio. We didn't go to a separate booth and he was just like, hey man, the production, I think uh, manager or something was like, hey, we just need some quick little voices. 
step over here, do the, you know, that kind of thing. So it wasn't very glamorous at all. And yeah. I mean, different. Like there were, uh, there were layoffs at, I think at Hyperion, it was a dip in, in uh, work at the time. So I asked for a letter of recommendation before I left because I felt like I was pretty friendly with everyone. Everyone appreciated my work ethic, gave me a letter of recommendation. And I used that with, along with my resume to apply to other places. So um, I remember interviewing for, at the time at Warner Brothers Animation, I think they're still in the Valley, I don't know, but we were, we were in Sherman Oaks uh, in the building uh, next to the Galleria. And um, across the hall was Batman Superman. So I interviewed Batman Superman and then they said, wait, Animaniacs wants to interview you. And it, so it was going back and forth on where I was gonna work. Yeah. Um, but I just would, yeah, I never got hired on Batman Superman, but they were across the hall and I would just geek out. I would yeah. walk across yeah. there, I would read their, uh, the, the, the storyboards that they threw into the, you know, the recycle bin with notes yeah. on them, yeah. I would read those. And with, like, I wanted to know what the executives and producers were saying about these things. So I remember Hillary Bader, RIP. I said, like, I, I was attracted to her notes on Superman. I was like, oh my God, she said, why does he use the, the rocket boots? He can fly. And, and all these other things like yeah. practical, awesome narrative, storytelling things that, and, and visual things that I just soaked it all in, working on those two productions in particular. Uh, we had the most fun, I think, on, on uh, Animaniacs and, and Pinky and the Brain. Those are just fun, fun shows. and. The cast. I, I can't imagine it not being fun, dude. Uh, yeah. On, yeah, yeah, especially Pinky in the Brain, man. Like, this is one, like, one of the most formative, like, for me, like, what comedy is. Just like we used to get nominated when I was on the show for Emmys, like, every year. And um, I think at the time the Emmys were in New York or something. So a lot of the crew or uh, the execs and whatever went to New York. So it was like a sparse kind of area in there for us in our cubicles. So we just like, totally took over someone's cubicle, made it into a bar, had these big parties, and it was just like nothing but a good time. My favorite drawing by one of the storyboard artists, because they would put up drawings, you know, on their cubicles, but stuff that the public wouldn't see, but it was it was a drawing of Pinky, the dumb one, yeah. eating his tail while at the same time <laughs> shooting it out. And I thought that was just amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> but you know, so there's like, like so, much, so much treasure that's in these studios <laughs> yeah. that like the general public will never get to see. Yeah, it was so fun. I remember the first time I saw uh, a a, a uh, script uh, that had the the names listed on the circulation, like who gets a copy of the script, and Steven Spielberg's name was on there. He was still producing the show, so I sent that to my mom. I was like, "Hey, I'm listening on the <laughs> distribution list for Spielberg. I think I've done it." <laughs> and he probably just took those and tossed them in the trash, whatever. But for me, that was amazing. Just to have yeah, my name yeah. even close proximity to someone is is amazing. Yeah, as that. like right out the gate, still in school, working on a Steven Spielberg project. And, right. <laughs> I mean, outside of like maybe Jaws and Jurassic Park, my favorite favorite Steven Spielberg project there is. <laughs> All right, you know, this is kind of a silly question, but I do. It's ironically there's like a lot of synchronicity on this show, and this just kind of happened on accident. But for some reason or other, in some other conversations, I've ended up asking people their favorite Animaniac if it's like Yekka, Wacko, or Dot. Do you <laughs> do you uh, have like one of their personalities you think is the like your favorite, like that you vibe with the most? Yeah, I never thought about that question at all, but I would say. <laughs> Only because I remember there was <laughs> working on, uh, I just worked on the uh, their, their one and only movie that they did. It was called uh, Wacko's Wish. I remember uh, when they were working on the movie, I had just started on there and they were doing, there was like seeing some clips from it or something like that. And I remember, uh, I think it was Yakko. Yeah, Yakko was the tallest one. He went by the screen in a way where they were skating or something like his butt like wiped. And I was like, oh, that's a wipe. That's a butt wipe or something like that. <laughs> so ever since that, seeing that butt wipe, uh, Yakko was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess my favorite too. Uh, he had the uh, the song, the all the countries in the world, which to this day is just like, it's so dope because it's like he makes it funny as hell. 
I mean, you guys made it. You made it funny. You know, the people I wasn't a writer, but yeah, they. they well, it's, the I sometimes it's hard because you. I think of Wack or I think of Yakko as a real person. I don't know, you know, right, right. especially because I've been watching Yakko like since I was, you know, a child is really yeah. formative for me. Like He's my real brain. to us. So, yeah. yeah. So I was like. Yakko's a real person. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to say that's amazing that you, you brought that up because uh, recently we were um, pitching something with uh, some friends um, at a company where we were, it was an animated project we're pitching. And and, and one of our, our people who was helping us, the, the consultant we brought with us, Liz Thompson, Liz was bringing up the fact that scientifically, you know, repetition and things, uh, music basically helps you learn. I won't go into the details of what music helps you learn. Yeah. And our, our example was, uh, right, Liz, and Liz will start spouting off the countries of the world based on Yakko's song. Yeah, yeah. Came back to that later. We're like, Liz, now tell them this other thing, and she was sing the song again. So we're like, you know, as a way of a silly, in a silly way, illustrating how those things are ingrained. Um, so that was just a very recently. So it was amazing you brought that up as well. There have been some uh, like kind of am- ambitious, like clever YouTube people have taken that song to do like other, you know, take <laughs> with it with like in a political agenda or whatever. But like uh, one, I I remember during. Do you remember like the coalition of the willing? For, it's the Iraq war. Oh, yes. And uh-huh. it's when, so when George Bush was trying to say that we had a, like a million allies and right. then someone took the song and they had Yakko sing all the allies. All the allies. So <laughs> what they did is so the, so they took, I don't know, I don't know how they had the tracks to split it like that, but they had his vocal track taken out and oh. just had the music playing. So he's just dancing and pointing at the world. And then and every, saying- like every 30 <laughs> seconds, he'll go England. <laughs> and then and then say nothing for like a real long time oh, yeah. and go australia that's, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing uh, man yeah as much as i love you know musical comedy i didn't think i'd ever be good enough or or even have that you know the skill set to to work on those uh myself as much as i enjoyed them and that's what we ended up winning an emmy on later on was for some musical comedy we were you know writing i was lyrics. gonna ask about uh you won uh most outstanding original song Standing original song for a, sh- it was a short anthology series, like three episodes only on uh, Funny or Dies. Uh, and uh, I think it was on Facebook Live. Was it Facebook Live? Maybe at the time too. Uh, but it was called uh, Brainwashed by Tunes. My buddy Neil Gargiulo created the show and they brought me on as an executive producer and a uh, writer. Um, and that was amazing because one of the best stories from that was an email that Neil got after we won the Emmy that Jason Alexander wrote. We did three songs. One, Wayne Brady helped us write a song and song a song. Leah Thompson from the Back to the Future series, she helped us write a song and, and sung a song. And Jason Alexander from Seinfeld did. And the one we ended up winning for was the one with Jason. Oh, and cool. Jason sent a nice email, you know, uh, thanking Neil uh, and us for bringing him on. And um, because his uh, his peers on Seinfeld had all been nominated for and had won Emmys, but he had been nominated never won before. Oh, so we got him didn't... his oh. very first Emmy, which was <laughs> amazing hilarious. for us. And we're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah and for him as well, I'm sure. <laughs> well, especially for it to be like for music instead of uh, exactly. like for Seinfeld, like that's crazy because he's he was great. He was like so... he's like the second main character, basically. Right. right I exactly. Mean, I guess it's kind of hard to say. Well, he's the Larry David character, basically. Everyone knows yeah. that by now, but at the time we didn't know that. He basically was playing Larry David, who was a co-creator of the show. Yeah. Um, so it was awesome. I mean, Jason was just really good. He he pretended to be like taken aback that we were gonna wanting him to write some of this and improvise a couple of lines. He was like, wait, words that aren't aren't written for me? You know, we thought he was serious <laughs> about that. We we're like, yes, we want you to participate. And he nailed it. Like every time I'm talking about over and above what we thought it would be. Same with Wayne, same with Leah. It was just really great to work with. And you can see why those pros are, you know, get the praises that they do because 
he was just like on another yeah, level for sure i was actually gonna so that was like a 2019 production brainwashed yes. by tunes so you would have won that emmy in 2020 we did, did. You, did you guys have to be was that like such a bummer because you just got this like you not weren't like i mean you were nominated then you won and it was 2020 so like you were at home right like you weren't even allowed to be there or am i wrong about timeline well there's no bummers allowed for yeah. winning yeah, I mean, yeah. no, it's, it's uh, awesome no matter what I, I didn't mean to i didn't mean to frame it like but i will say that it was bittersweet in that yeah. we did want to be able to go to the ceremony because the categories we got uh nominated for outstanding original song and um outstanding writing uh in a, in a daytime series um we were up against like Ellen and stuff like that. Those would have been broadcast. So that would have been nice, but yeah. we did have an online ceremony. And then for one of our nominations, Neil, well, the creator was actually able to, you know, uh, stand in the wings, so to speak at home on zoom, waiting to see if we won. We didn't end up winning the writing one, um, but still he got to be on, you know, broadcast live kind oh, of yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. it was bittersweet, but again, there's, there's no uh, downside to, to yeah. winning. That. No, for real, no bummers allowed whatsoever. I guess <laughs> in my mind, I'm so, Man, it's like the simple things that like to me that I'm like, that I would be impressed by even, you know, I was just like, how cool to sit at one of those tables with that ice bucket of like, right. moment, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like the simple things and soak it all in too. There's so many instances in my life of just like total geeked out fandom that turned into embarrassing moments because I was so geeked out that I've since learned since acting to kind of temper that and 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 know better of it. But um, I still I still get geeked out over the smallest things. I'm still a huge fan of a lot of people's work and a lot of uh, fun things like anime and, and whatnot. I'm just I can't yeah. help it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Man. I I absolutely have to check out uh, Brainwashed by Tunes. I haven't seen it yet. Please. So I'm, yeah, you'll uh, find it on Funnier Die's website. Yeah, funnierdie.com. OK, that's what I'm doing right after this. Also, everybody listening, shoot over there and check out Brainwashed by Tunes because <laughs> I don't so know if got it's an Emmy for well this, maintained guys. as far as how it's <laughs> categorized there, but look for uh, Brainwashed by Tunes. Um, the first one was called, with Wayne Radio, it's called. So we did them on different themes. One was on how archive, old cartoons influenced or brainwashed us, so to speak, the way we accept certain things like racism was Wayne Brady's episode. The, um, and uh, Sexism was Leah Thompson's episode, how we kind of normalize these things. And the uh, anti-Semitism was the one with uh, Jason Alexander. So it was ways of us to say, look, we recognize that visual medium is a propaganda machine and look how yeah. it was used initially. And we have uh, just like, you know, uh, damning examples <laughs> in yeah. there of how it was totally used. But we did it again in a funny, lighthearted, comical way, because in my opinion, especially when you want to tackle serious subjects, uh, comedy is the invitation. You know, you get them on your side with yeah. saying, yeah. I am a competent comedian that's going to entertain you. Now, if you happen to have something to say after you've presented your funny, good yeah, on yeah. you. But that is never our goal, necessarily. With that show, it was. But yeah, when it yeah. comes to writing other things and, and participating in things like an improv or, or a narrative that I might write, that's never at the forefront. Because I don't want to be up on my soapbox wagging my finger at people. I want to say, let's do and have this fun experience. And then along the way, if I have an opinion I want to share since I have your attention, Maybe I'll share that, but yeah. <laughs> try not to get too preachy, you know. Because yeah, comedy is like you know, it is a universal language. You don't even have to speak the same actual language. I mean, I've had like a lot of like experience with like just that, like doing construction work in my life and mm -hmm. working with people that don't speak the same language as me. But we're all yeah. laughing at the same shit, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it, it really touches me hearing shit like that. Uh, I teach sketch comedy still from time to time, and uh, there's a, a sketch scene style. 
uh, that we've identified at the PAC theater called seemingly simple but impossible task. And those are usually not a lot of dialogue, usually, you know, very physical. And yeah. those oftentimes translate into like universal or what we call like evergreen comedies where they were funny yesterday, they'll be funny today and they'll be funny tomorrow kind of thing. Uh, so those always, you know, really have a special place for me too, because it does kind of unite us to see like, oh man, this is, we don't even talk the same language, but we're still laughing at the same thing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or even if you, if you've got like just a little bit, like there's these, these dudes I was working with, they couldn't say my name, man. It's like just Doug was just like, it wasn't uh, to the, to their ear. It didn't sound like a name. And uh -huh. so then they knew, they knew the word dog. And so they just like, no matter what, they just thought my name was dog. And so, but everybody, yeah, it was, everybody would just crack about it all the time and shit. And then like, they, you know, they just made my nickname, uh, Perro, you know, no, <laughs> that's that's like, yeah, it, <laughs> well, well, I mean, all I mean by that is yeah, the universal language, everybody wants to laugh, man. It's like, well, exactly. it's like I think the pure the, human the like, yeah. uh, need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I've, you know, I'd even, it's, it's funny when, uh, friends from like college or high school, uh, find out that I work in comedy, they'd be like, but you weren't even funny. <laughs> so like, well, in my opinion, I was very funny. I was like an observer. I would sit back and I was very quiet, maybe up until like high school and college, something like that. But for the most part, um, uh, you know, I was I was learning. I was I was just trying to take it all in. But there's something um, connecting that uh, I can appreciate about someone who maybe it's just a personal selfish thing for me, but someone who can uh, uh, gets and appreciates my attempts at comedy. I'm like, that's a yeah. win, man. That, you know, one day on set, I remember as an actor I'm making Mike Judge laugh on one of his shows. I'd had a day player, a small part, uh, but I made Mike Judge like, like that's Beavis and Butthead, bro. Yeah, like, that's gonna, on, that's gonna feel so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I don't know why. I, I was imagining him laughing like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't quite do a character, but his, you know, natural laugh is some, you know, in the oh. range. I'll say. Oh, does that come kind of like a little bit from his uh, his actual laugh, like the, the butthead laugh? A little laugh? bit. I wouldn't say it sounds like either Beavis <laughs> or Butthead's laugh, but, but I, I recognize in the range is what I'll say, yeah. Hell yeah, it, uh, man, I guess like where I was going to go next was just uh, like you've been in a ton of commercials. You're super and like you really, really carry this stuff. I mean, like you are the funny thing, like and specifically when I was watching your reels and stuff, and I've seen you in a lot of uh, NFL commercials mm -hmm. and I, I just feel like this makes you particularly qualified to answer this question. I just, I wanted to ask somebody and now I feel like you're the man, like this is the, I can ask this question to. And I, I mean, if you don't have an opinion, that's totally fine, but do you, it's about fantasy football. Uh -huh. Do you, do you think that fantasy football is like the, uh, like the mainstream, like more socially acceptable Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> uh, I think that's an excellent observation. And I would say uh, yes to that. Having participated, I haven't been in a fantasy league in the probably like four years. I remember uh, consciously saying, all right, fifth, football is just losing me on so many levels. But then I find myself just being drawn to it because I grew up watching football and had relatives and whatnot that played football and everything. So I do enjoy the sport, but there's just things about it professionally that, that still irk me. Um, but that's a great observation to say that fantasy football would be I don't know about a grown-up version because there's so many grown-ups I know that play Dungeons and Dragons, but I would yeah. say the sports version for sure. Yeah. I guess like what I—that's why I said like mainstream because like yeah, you know they they want you to play fantasy, you know, like like on yeah. the NFL wants you to do it. Oh yeah, but I, I I would say that I used to be just you know just rooting for my own team a lot, and then when I started playing fantasy, I I didn't grow up a gambler or anything like that, but but when I started playing fantasy, um, 
it is gambling, so to speak, even if there's no yeah. money involved or whatever. Uh, but what was fun about it was that how many different players, you know, sometimes you'd root for maybe a, an elite player from another squad, but for the most part, you rooted for your squad. But I found myself rooting for so many different games and watching so many more games. So in that respect, yeah, it did help me uh, open up the NFL to me in ways where I was looking at other players and other teams and trying to seek out other shows and, and you know, getting the, the package so I can, you know, watch yeah. all the other games. So that was that was exciting and fun. And it did make it more fun that way. Yeah. You know, what made me realize, you know, early on when fantasy was a little bit newer, I mean, it had been around for a while and I didn't get it. I was like, you know, and I, I like to play Madden. I don't yeah. play so much anymore, but I, but around that time period, I was playing Madden a lot. It was like one of my favorite games. And so I was like, why would anybody play fantasy football when you could just play Madden? It's and like it's, Madden. Like, <laughs> it's a real game. You're really playing, right. you know, like, right. and then, but uh, I worked at this bar at the time and a lot of my coworkers, like a lot of the bartenders there and then they had this night it was like the draft pick and mm. everybody was showing and everybody showed up with their laptops and it was super it's a big deal the social. draft is amazing yes well, that's, that's when i got it i was like oh you know dungeons and dragons like yeah you could sit at home and play like zelda or whatever it might be like right. the I can't but it's not the that. same. It, there, yeah. there is a communal experience. There's a social experience to it. There's an uh, uh, an out trying to outmaneuver a strategic experience to it. Yeah, competition. Yeah. You know, fun. It's just the, the the nerd factors there. Yeah, and like you said, <laughs> some people definitely take it to the realm of they they bet some money on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. pretty pretty big chunks of change. I think the first time I started was after I did like an office pool once. And I was like, man, you know, it was, I think it was right before the pandemic hit. So my year, they used to give out big prizes for that. And then my year that I fucking won it, like they had laid off half the staff and didn't even give out a prize. So I was like, it went out with the thud. So I was like, oh man, well, let me join a league. <laughs> dude, the pandemic ripped you off, dude. You didn't yeah. get the, you didn't get the uh, bucket of Moet. You didn't right, get exactly. the... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that being said though, um, man, you know, 2020, at the end of that year, I hadn't worked as an actor the whole year and I was just like distraught you know yeah luckily I had a couple of spots playing like Milkbone was playing and some other things but I was like okay well then maybe I just got to focus on writing that's it for me and then a piece of copy came through for a commercial they were just starting to do like zoom auditions at home for, for commercials and I was like oh well this seems like a big deal but it's kind of late in the year to be you know auditioning for a Super Bowl commercial even though it felt like one they never tell you if they are or not but it felt yeah, like yeah. a Super Bowl commercial and it felt like it was either going to be The Rock or Michael B. Jordan so I was like, cool. you know what? Maybe this is a Super Bowl commercial, and maybe it's gonna have one of these celebrities. So I'm just gonna give it my all. And that one was a game changer, man. That was like, so I was like, yes, it's horrible that the world is shut down and all these, you know, terrible things happen. All these people died, and it's just it was mishandled on so many different levels in so many different ways. But professionally, for me, <laughs> I was like, bro, that it, that commercial hit so hard. It was amazing. It was a uh, Amazon commercial with Michael B. Jordan. In oh, nice, uh, February 2021, it was during that Super Bowl, and like it got 78 million hits in less than a week. You know, and That's I think amazing. it might it might even still be up, but it was just like I got you know signed with a new uh, uh, representation, someone that you know a, a company that I had been wanting to be signed with. I got with them going out on all the parts I'd been wanting to go out for. Uh, suddenly, I had a bunch of different commercials running at the same time as that. So it was a, just a game changer in a way where I was like, how did I turn this pandemic into like, yeah. you know, uh, something positive for me when I was, you know, like everyone else, I was just miserable at first. That's so crazy. I I, would, I tried to watch like so many of your commercials like leading up to this interview. That's one I missed, which I'm bummed about because I'm a huge fan of Michael B. Jordan because I feel like he single handedly saved the Rocky franchise like yeah oh that a, that movie was so good i saw that in theaters man i love that movie yeah yeah uh the first one well they're both great yes. but 
when Creed came out, I was like, this is better than like it's like it's my I feel like the top two are Rocky one and Creed one. Like those are the yeah. two best ones. Yeah. Uh and I think Rotten Tomatoes probably agrees with me on that. <laughs> I enjoyed three as well. Is that the one with uh with uh, Mr. T? That was just a, I just thought Mr. Oh, T. Oh was- no, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I've watched all of these movies that I love. Yes. Yeah, Mr. T is great. The one with uh Dolph Lundgren where he's oh, like yeah. the, the steroided up. He dies. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. dies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I love no, that. I think I saw that one in theaters too, man. Yeah. In my opinion, there's not a bad Rocky movie necessarily. There, isn't. there, there really isn't. There is just others that are better than yeah, there's, there's clearly some that are like works of art. And yeah, like mm-hmm. that would be Creed and of course Rocky, the original. Those are two like yeah. Like the yeah, these those are auteur <laughs> films. I was uh just on, on on maybe it was on Twitter or, or Instagram recently, but um I was just watching that um uh, Oh my gosh! What's we're just talking about the uh, character he plays Apollo Creed, the actual actor's name? No, oh, jo- Michael B. Jordan? No, not Michael B. Jordan. Oh, uh, the original. Uh, yes. Oh, Cre- uh, God damn it! Uh, he was in. He was in Predator. Yeah, he was in uh, uh, Happy Gilmore. He's awesome. He's, Dude, so he's, he's in everything. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, All he was right. in the Star Wars series recently. Uh, shoot, the Mandalorian. Hold on. Hold on, man. This is we're not letting this go by, dude. Yes, he's so <laughs> good. It's Creed actor. He was a football player. He was a he was play for the Raiders. It's gonna just it's gonna say Michael B. Jordan. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he had he had shared some footage from Rocky uh, of them rehearsing uh, on Rocky Two, um, and it was amazing. The footage it was just two actors working it out. You know, there was playfulness there. It was it was, it was very professional. Uh, I think in the post even it was talking about how quickly Steph, Sylvester Stallone had written screenplay for that follow-up too which was amazing i think he'd done it like a week or something which is unheard of um carl weathers carl weathers god damn carl it weathers. you know what happened i was trying to i was trying to google it what happens is if you say uh creed rocky mm-hmm. or creed rocker at whatever i was just doing it just keeps showing michael b jordan you have to say apollo creed apollo creed yeah differentiating yeah but carl weathers my apologies carl uh sorry, <laughs> mr sorry, weathers carl, we love you yeah, you should you should have won that arm wrestling match with Arnold in the. Oh party. right, yeah. <laughs> but that's like, you got to look up on uh, his 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 feed. Uh, either it's on uh, Instagram or Twitter, I forget which, where he shares uh, some of that footage of him and Stallone um, just rehearsing the uh, the stunts that they're going to be doing, and it's just beautiful too. It's beautiful, it's like ballet. Well, it's just amazing. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Oh uh, man, I just had a couple more follow up questions on this sure. fantasy football thing, and I'll. Yeah, one yeah. popped in my head while you were talking because you brought up the gambling thing. Do you think that, that that like that had an impact in Vegas when people all over the world started taking like getting so much more in depth knowledge about these stats and like you know what because back in the day only professional gamblers would know what like now anyone that plays fantasy knows right, right. like that must have uh, like affected the like the bookies you know <laughs> this is a complete layman's answer so you know take it with more than a grain of salt. Uh, but I would say it probably initially frightened them, but then I think it leveled off, you know, because they find different ways uh, that are different ways you can bet that will still get them money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. there's always the yeah. house is always going to win <laughs> uh, for the most part. But it did probably make them hire, you know, some some uh, some guys from Wall Street to figure out yeah. <laughs> ways yeah. that they can yeah. always yeah. get money based on. Um, you know the 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 uh, the odds of these certain type of betting, and it got probably got a lot more granular in, in ways that we don't even know unless you're a professional gambler. Um, but it always levels off in ways where the money's going to flow because, or else, why would they do it? <laughs> but you know, it's like if you're Vegas, 
the more gamblers, the better. It doesn't matter how sophisticated they right. are. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you I, know, are you in California? I'm in Nashville. You're in Nashville. And here in California, we have on our uh, ballot uh, recently about opening up online gambling more than where it already is. Uh, and I'm up two minds about it. You know, I'm yeah. like, like, you know, there's pros and cons to it. So I won't say which way I'm leaning one way or the other, but um, it affects a lot of people. Uh, it could affect a lot of people detrimentally, but it also yeah. could you know, open up revenue sources for others and, and you know, competition and, and competitiveness that it should be necessary in, in, in competitive uh, capitalism. So I don't know. I don't know. I have one opinion about this. Uh, it might not be very valid, but it, it's this. If you get in over your head and you're gambling, but you're on an app, that app's not going to break your legs. You know, you're, <laughs> you, you, and you might have. It may you know, break that, your bank, though. It may break, break your family, you know? though, from you're taking your time away. But you're right. It's not going to break your legs. So there is uh, <laughs> that going for you. Um, but yeah, I worry about, you know, the addictiveness of it. Yes. Yeah. I worry about uh, maybe, especially here in California with our tribal uh, gambling, uh, taking away some revenue there. Yes. But again, the spirit of competition, capitalism, all that, you know, I don't like monopolies. So if we can True. open that up to more businesses, then yes to that too. Actually, that you brought at that point, uh, I've completely shifted my gears. I didn't even consider the fact that it would be taking away revenue from tribal gambling. Mm -hmm. And now I'm 100% on their side. So yeah, sorry, sorry, my bookie or whatever. Hold up, it's time for an ad. Have you ever watched the movie The Lion King or Free Willy and thought, hey, I would like to get up close and personal with a dangerous predatory animal without all the red tape and government hullabaloo. You're in luck. My Views Are My Own podcast is now offering wilderness expeditions to get up close and personal with dangerous wild animals. All you need is a passport, a sense of adventure, and $3,000 worth of cryptocurrency. We accept Bitcoin. Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. But we don't accept a shitty attitude. If you have a shitty attitude, I don't care how much cryptocurrency you have. Good vibes only. This safari is for people with discretionary cryptocurrency and good vibes only. I don't need anybody's fucked up attitude ruining it for everybody else. Use promo code MYVIEWSAREMYOWN for 50% off the MYVIEWSAREMYOWN predatory animal safari now back to the interview yeah. uh, here's the here was the last question about my uh fantasy football and i'm done yes. it's but oh no worries you can have more of you if you <laughs> that's okay well it, it just has so many branches and this is the one because i was thinking like you know with the success of stranger things right now i mean that's mm -hmm. like the biggest tv show out basically yeah. and yeah. it i think what it did i think it was so cool what it did is it made dungeons and dragons so more so much more accessible to everyone to people that were like oh that's some nerd shit and now everyone loves these kids and they're like oh cool i wonder i want to know what you think do you think there's some people that were like playing fantasy football that have now you know with the, they've seen this show and they're like oh you know what i'm gonna tr i'm gonna play dungeons and dragons it's a lot like it's a lot like what i'm already playing <laughs> uh i absolutely believe this crossover there's got to be. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, fantasy football is the gateway drug to uh, yeah. more, it's a role-playing uh, games. Yeah. <laughs> Role-player games, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I mean, why not? You know, like, who doesn't like fun? Um, like, we, I think that, the, you know, the connectivity of social media and the internet uh, as a whole, you know, opened up a lot of people who thought that 
they were it's only me or it's very niche or, uh, and realize yeah. that the niche is the universal so yeah why not well, man I, I had some friends that played that game like growing up and it's like they were all cool like cool mm-hmm. dudes but it did even to me back then i was just like eh, that game seems kind of like i wasn't like drawn to it at all i hear that yeah i hear that i, uh, I wasn't as, as a kid drawn into role player <laughs> Again. I did like games, card games and board games and all that, but I never played like role player games until I was an adult. Yeah. 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 You know, like, well, it's just like everything else. Like you're saying, like, you used to be an observer, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so you're like, <laughs> and I'm not kidding about that. Like, people, like, my mom tells a story where other kids didn't think I could talk for like years. Oh, crazy, <laughs> dude. Yeah. And I would just shoot back like one liner, like, oh, I just didn't have anything to say to you, you know, something like yeah. that. But yeah, I was just an observer. Yeah. I have a, there's a meme I really like, and I've seen several different iterations of it, but it's mm-hmm. just about kind of what you're saying. And people are always like saying like, you know, the, the quiet kid, they're like, you know, you'll sit there and, and one day the quiet kid says something and you realize it's the funniest person in the whole school. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the first thing they've said all year. And it's the funniest exactly. thing you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to put it all together, coming in with a, like a, we call that in comedy, that's a sniper. Somebody comes in and just kind of, it ain't improv. They, yep, they got that 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 punch, that line that they've been sitting back waiting to deliver, and it's always awesome and lethal. <laughs> Dude, all right. Speaking of, yeah, like I mean, obviously you're you're really really funny and all this stuff, but also like clearly a lot of people respect you. And uh, I was gonna say this. I was uh, I was looking at the at the grid photo of the Second City Advisory Board. First yes. of all, I want to say congratulations for getting top row center photo, <laughs> best spot on the whole thing. And you and you really stand out because you got the purple uh, hoodie. It pops. Uh, that was that was by design. <laughs> well, luckily for me, uh, Stephen chose to, Stephen Colbert chose chose to list it alphabetically. So uh, is that how <laughs> that happened? Just alphabetically. <laughs> <laughs> so that that has nothing to do with anything other than uh, just being diplomatic that way and, and very fair. He's a very fair minded person. Uh, as far as uh, we get to we did get to choose uh, which headshot we wanted to do, and I ran that by my manager. Um, I'm from South Los Angeles, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was very uh, uh, rough and, and and oftentimes you feel your, you know, that coming out of you in ways you don't <laughs> even expect sometimes. So when I was taking those series of headshots, um, uh, I brought, brought the, you know, the, I'm a Laker fan. I brought the purple and gold. It's, and that one's uh, it's really great because it has a Dodger hat, but with the Laker colors, which I really love uh, as representing LA. So I showed it to my manager, I was like, hey, you think it would be too much if I use this headshot? He was like, no, I like it. No, it's, so it's once perfect. I got that endorsement, I was like, cool, because I love it. <laughs> I mean, it, it draws it draws your eye. I mean, also, yeah, you've got the best location, but also <laughs> it draws your eye, the, the, the Laker colors. Because, yeah, over here is Stephen Colbert over on your right. You know, but you don't even see him. You're like, zoom. But right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that came about in an awesome, strange way, too. Like, you know, improv and sketch has just really opened up my world in all kinds of different ways. But socially, I've met just some of the most amazing people. Um, my friend Amber Ruffin was an improviser um, that moved. She had done Boom Chicago uh, in, in, in Amsterdam for a while. And she came back to Chicago uh, and did the main stage there. And then she thought it was time to move to LA. And when she moved to LA, oftentimes when improvisers move to LA, they're looking for a place to land. There was a second city in Hollywood that I was a big part of. And uh, so we were on a improv team that we put together ourselves that we performed different places called uh, Black by Popular Demand. I think it was the name. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Festivals. And, oh, did, and, uh, didn't uh, she do a thing for uh, once she, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, no, something similar to that where it was, uh, 
as maybe it's like Amber says what or it's it's, a, it's something where she, it's something it was on the Seth Meyers yeah and it was everything he couldn't say or whatever it's like she yeah. had to say it that's, that's him? a great bit that she I'm pretty sure she came up with uh, even yeah. if she didn't come up with it which I'm pretty sure she did uh, she's amazing in it um, I just love the way uh, that she got all those uh, on-camera roles uh, as an, a writer and her personality just sh you know shone through so so brightly that you know she's undeniable and that we have to get her her own show she just like and she's just she stole the show yeah every time they would do amber says what or anything like you forget it's a seth meyers show and you're just like oh this should be the amber oh, Ruffin show and, and she hasn't changed one iota um but she was just a good friend uh, that we used to play around and improvise together with and um so steven was putting together he said as he tells it told it to me um the company that purchased uh the second city after there was this racial reckoning yeah that's a long story whatnot but the uh owner uh andrew alexander divested you know sold all his his, his stock in the, in the company and everything and um the person who was uh the purchaser came to stephen colbert because he knew him from cbs back in the day on the board at cbs or something like that so he was saying hey i am not second city but you are second city and i want second city to be second city continue to be second city so i need someone like you who is second city to make sure it remains Second City. Yeah. So Stephen, uh, I'm, I'm sure it was more to it than this, but Stephen pretty much said, yes, if I can uh, form my own, you know, artistic advisory board. So not only is Stephen on the board of Second City, of the new Second City, but he also was uh, going around forming his own artistic advisory board. So he went to Amber Ruffman and everyone was like, hey, this that sounds great and everything, but I just got my own show and my own show. My show is very jealous right now. It needs my attention. Yeah, and for sure. And having had his own show before, he said so. Amber said, though, but if you know we, who you should talk to is my friend Dwayne, because everyone knows him, and everyone loves him. Um, that's him relaying this back to me. So he said, when I heard that, I had to talk to you. So oh, that's I get excellent. Email, right? <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm I'm floored by the, all of this. I get an email and it says uh, the subject line is Stephen Colbert here, and I was like, mm, that sounds yeah weird. right. <laughs> Please <laughs> so send me your bank account there. information. <laughs> right? I was like, okay. He said, hey, your friend Amber Ruffin recommended you for this thing I'm putting together. It'd be best explained over Facetime. Send me your number. So I thought this was Amber just pulling my legs. So I was like, sure, yeah. whatever. I'll send her my number. She already has. Uh, so I sent a number, and then the next day he Facetimed me, and he's explaining all this to me, and uh, asked me. He's like, excuse me for not knowing anything about your career, but you know, tell me about yourself. I think I even told him all about my stage stuff. Like I didn't even mention that I was an actor or writer at all. I was just talking about stuff I'd done with the second city and other comedy theaters uh, and how I was always trying to be, I'm the people's champ is what I would say, because I was trying to just make a more equitable stage here in LA and other places as much as I could with the shows I wrote, with the pieces I would direct, with how I would teach and all that. Uh, and I think that we just you know had a connection there where he um, said, yeah, if, you, if you'd like to join us, that'd be great. At the time it was only like maybe four or five people. He had like, uh Carell had it had it already accepted and 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 uh Tim Meadows and I think Keegan and himself but he said we need more women we need more diversity so I kept just sending them names of people who are either graduates or alumni and then uh, he could put together what I think is a stellar group of people yeah I mean it's it's a super I mean like like I mean when you just look at it as a grid it's just like it's like the Avengers of comedy you know <laughs> like because what, yeah. what are you like you're right in between like Tina Fey and uh Steve Carell, I think. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it's alphabetical. So yeah. I know it just, I was, <laughs> that's the only way I'd find myself in between them is alphabetically. So dude, thank God for the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. what I wanted to know, man, those like, so I, I mean, I guess you kind of explained it a little bit, but it's like, uh, so the guy that uh, took over was like, all right, I don't know. I don't really know how to keep this true to what it is. And that's kind of your responsibility as the artistic advisory board. 
Is that right? Uh, yes and no. Yes, I think uh, uh, I don't know about the part, but yeah, yes, uh, in that it it will be our jobs to advise. I mean, all of our excuse me, our training centers and or places where we had a resident stage. I think it, right now it's just uh, Toronto and and Chicago. Uh, L.A. had a facility but didn't have a resident stage, and we're looking for a new facility right now. There's just no building, but there is a, a community. Um, in those places, they have artistic directors. Those, you know, that that position will remain. And they, so, artistic director is more hands-on with uh, what goes up on the stage artistically. You know, yeah. what makes it there, what you know, gets it in shape if it if it needs to be <clears> in shape. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think we'll we'll advise them. Those those people. okay. Yeah, you don't. You're not. You're not just gonna walk in on people and go. This is funny. This is not funny. Oh gosh, <laughs> no, that's someone else's job. Uh, but as as a performer and as a collaborator and as a director, oftentimes I would find myself saying, "Yeah, we're gonna keep this. We're gonna get rid of that." And that's okay. It's a spirit of collaboration. It's a yes and spirit that you know Second City has definitely garnered over the years. So um, I'm not afraid of that in any way. Yeah. Uh, but not from out high in any way. You know, no. That this this is to get together like to keep certain um, uh, traditions that were alive and well and help the people on that board thrive. They want to make sure are kept, those kind of things. And even if those morph and, and evolve uh, to suit the needs of today's audiences as well as performers, uh, you know, because oftentimes that needs to happen in certain aspects. Uh, that's okay too. Uh, we just want to make sure that the thing that we hold it, you know, all held dear and continue to hold dear remains. Yeah, and that's because you know Second City. I mean, it's just like almost like this iconic institution that just this is like a the place where so much talent comes from like so many amazing people you know like you name a funny person just look up to the alumni yeah. you'll be floored yeah floored yeah you really doors i i was a i worked as a stand-in which is glorified background work but i worked as a stand-in on whose line is it anyway for about five seasons when they did a reboot on the cw and um I was Wayne Brady's stand-in, and Wayne was a very busy person, so sometimes he wouldn't always make it on time to rehearsal. So the A-team, meaning Ryan Stiles and, and Colin Mockery and, and their uh, Aisha Tyler and the fourth chair guest would have to then improvise with not just themselves and Wayne, but with me sometimes, with, it was yeah. always awesome. So, uh, But in doing that, though, in doing that show as a stand-in and getting to see these pros that were all Second City alumni, except for like Wayne who studied elsewhere, and, and but he's a world-class, you know, improviser. Yeah. Um, I mean, man, like, these people are different. You know, this is amazing, like, the, the, how they quickly they get it and what they're going after and, and how they've influenced the world on uh with comedy is just uh flooring to me and amazing and, and i feel lucky to have even come close to being around the greatness that i have because you got to think whose line is it anyway is basically that's the ambassador to the world of what improv was like to Absolutely. most people who didn't what yeah. improv was to my family i would say yeah. you know like whose line they'd be like whose line i'd be like you know like wayne brady i'd be like oh yeah 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 I know yeah improv. No, i get it yeah that's the thing is like so many people wouldn't have known that show right. you know brought it to the entire world and now Everyone knows. Everyone, everyone who knows. hasn't seen whose line is it anyway? And, and they Everyone's still tour. You know, I, I don't know if it's still on the on the CW, but I know they still tour it. Oh, whose live is it anyway? It's a live show. Oh, cool. And, and, the, and the guy who was the creator of it, the original creator from in, in England, he was a st still the producer when I was on that show. He was great. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Oh man, if they ever come through my town, I'm gonna be there for sure, oh, dude. Oh yeah, especially like Styles, man. I kept my favorite kept changing, you know, walking and in, coming into the show. Wayne Brady was my absolute favorite and he did not disappoint. The guy's super, super talented and such a, you know, he was a mentor to me. 
like straight up. Uh, but he was just, you know, awesome uh, to watch live. Um, and he would even comment on some of my improv. Sometimes he'd get there and look through the monitor for a couple of steps before he'd walk on. And he, he would repeat back funny lines, which is floored me. Uh, but then my, 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 my favorite shifted to, to Colin. And Colin just the sweetest man you ever met. And quick. The guy is so quick. Uh, I can't imagine that he hasn't had forethought on some of these, that, that it is improv, that it is live. He is this smart. He is this funny. And then when I got to be on set, like Styles didn't want to be bothered with fans for the most part. You know, if you're working professional or a collaborator, sure. But, you know, he, he gets, I'm sure, approached too much. So he wasn't very friendly at first to yeah. the stand-ins. But by the time, you know, we left after working with Styles, he was just like an awesome dude, had his own theater up. I think it's in Washington or Oregon. I forget where his, his theater is. He would invite us up to the, you guys got to come through, that kind of thing. He was just like an awesome person. We're going to come back next season. And, and and watching him work too, I was just like blown away. I'd already known his work, you know. I would teach at Second Season. Sometimes I would show clips from Styles. So I, I, I knew his work. Uh, and I saw him on television, obviously, over the years. Uh, but to see him live, I was like, this man is just amazing. So again, my my favorite kept changing, but by the time I was no longer doing standing work, I think Styles is my favorite. Don't tell Wayner. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to think that, because uh, you said Wayne was your favorite at first, but yeah. I would have just assumed just because whenever he didn't show up, that meant you you got put on and you were in the game. Oh, so no. you would eventually start wanting him to not show up. Well, you would think that, but again, we were standing, we were not there for our improv. You know, so for some people that was a rude awakening. For me, it was just like, I don't care. I just didn't mind observing. We were there yeah. for the cameras and, and lighting so they can know where to place things. And if they have a celebrity guest, we, you know, when they present them on on this uh, the show, they wanted it to be truly a surprise for the A-team, the, the regular cast. So the, uh, the guests sometimes would do a walkthrough or sometimes improvise with us stand-ins. But for the most part, we are not there. They would stop and start with the games with us just to see, uh, feel where the cameras might want to go or, you know, be ready for that kind of thing. But uh, it was not a lot of improvising. But when I did, that being said, when I did get a chance to, when Wayne was late or wasn't there, and I did get a chance to improvise with the A-team, it was always special because, you know, again, this is no audience. So yeah, they're really fucking with you, man. They yeah, yeah. See, take a punch and throw a punch yeah and believe me i learned <laughs> oh man dude, this is like this is like bringing it back to like we were talking about all the animaniacs art that like people went went too far with it you'll never like you know it'll never see yeah. <laughs> like the public will never see it now i'm jealous too because it's like realizing like what what goes on like on you know behind oh, the, the scenes with me. you guys the and like they said to me no audience like, I, no I never repeat but it was nobody awesome. knows what you're yeah <laughs> but, but yeah people are like that funny that talented just yeah. and and they have no rules all of a sudden oh man yeah that's yeah, they were just great it was just great to be around man I, I just feel really feel lucky in everything i've ever done you know i worked in animation for on some awesome projects some awesome movies i got to meet some awesome people i even wrote for when i finally became a writer and started writing for animation I even wrote for like uh um uh oh man what's his name uh, uh he talks like oh yeah uh the wrestler um oh uh brandy macho man yeah macho man, Randy savage man. yeah i, wrote for I fucking for love him. macho man i was just watching a clip of him the other day on arsenio hall like yes really i saw clip. that clip yeah he's like he's like when they asked him if it's okay to cry yes. he's like he's like hell yeah brother it's okay to yes. cry macho yes. man has cried a thousand times I yes that, that was dude. so great that was that was a great little speech i looked at that like three times I watched that, but I wrote for him, and I wrote for uh, oh, what's her, well, I can't think of any actors' names now. She she's no longer with us either, uh, but she played uh, Earth the Kid. I wrote for Earth the Kid. They, they no, what? Whoa, 
Yeah, the same uh, animated show at the time I was writing for for Nickelodeon. So I've had just like some amazing experiences of 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 things that I'm a fan of. You know, what I mean, like a lot of yeah. people have lot, have had lots of awesome celebrity experiences, but uh, my encounters of you know in the animated world and you know writing for certain people or acting with them was just always just like total geek out fandom because I love yeah. their work so much. You know, it's so amazing really to like to like yeah like you're like you're writing your words and then. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Eartha Kitt are out there, and they're speaking your words. That's got to yeah, be a, like got to blow your mind, dude. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was. Uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, Louis Anderson, R.I.P. Louis. Um, I remember when I was, I had a small one-day player, you know, co-star role for his show Baskets, and I couldn't wait to tell Louis that I used to work on Life with Louis. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna tell him. I used to work on like anime. I even did voice. I couldn't wait. And we're taking the, uh, so I saw him when we're coming out of the trailers, he just kind of glanced my way, um, but it wasn't a, an opportunity to speak or anything. But then we were on the same uh, shuttle headed to set uh, and the set was a Costco, which is great. It was an actual Costco, not a set built for Costco. Which I thought oh, was cool. Uh, so <laughs> you guys just went what did they just like shut it down for a day or? Yeah, it's at night. So nice. we're, we're going to the Costco, uh, um, which was great. And uh, and I was, and, and Louis like Colton Court. You know, he's pretty much telling his stories. He's telling these funny things and he's, he's got us all captivated kind of thing or whatever. So I remember trying to like interject at one point saying something about, oh, you know, I, I, I met him in a way before because I'm trying to, that was going to be my segue to yeah. tell the story about working on the thing or whatever. And he kind of like kind of shut it down in a way because he was he was finishing saying what he was saying. Yeah. And he goes on this long thing and, and, and he's he finished telling the story and we were all laughing and everything. And then Louis, you know, to his credit, came back. He was like, all right, now what were you saying? Oh, that's cool, man. Oh, yes. I was just trying to say, and then he mentioned, you know, the owners and everything is, oh, they were great. And then we talked about it for a minute and, you know, he was very, um, just very cordial and diplomatic and, and just awesome. And then we got on set. It was just like a one little scene again, but if you look at it, it was, I freaking love that scene because I know which <clears throat> they used the last take. And that's after Louie and I kept going back and forth on how it should go. And the, the, the director, and he was a co-creator of the show, Jonathan Cristal, he was amazing. He was like, well, why don't you guys come over here and discuss it for a minute? So I'm like working out how the scene should go with Louie. And then they end up using more toward like the pace of what I thought it would be. But then after, you know, they wrapped me for the day, Louie said, you know, called me over and he was like, let me just give you one piece of advice. I was like, absolutely. I took a picture with him, of course. Uh, but he was like, <laughs> you have to speed it up in a way. And he was basically trying to reiterate what he was saying the whole time. And I was like, I will take that. And I've used that advice. And I was like, yes, he was right. Maybe not in that instance, but uh, yeah, that was just an amazing experience uh, just all around. So Louie always has a special place in my heart. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm that's kind of what I was saying in the, in the very beginning when we were talking about life with Louie, like his, his old cartoon. That's, mm -hmm. Oh man, such a good, good show, dude. Well, what's great <laughs> about, you know, his comedy is that he got to play his dad on the animated show. Yeah. And he got to play his version of his mom on Baskets yeah <laughs> pretty great uh man i was just thinking too like i mean just on like really really like amazing like sets with like awesome people and like uh i watched you on uh brooklyn 99 and oh, yeah. and you were like super fucking funny man like you like it's like especially like i don't want to sit here and tell the scene because that's you know hey, andy sandberg is a powerhouse let me just say that but you but you were the funnier one in the scene in my opinion because uh well, I guess you know they, what's tough about being a day player oftentimes is that you're there just for you know a scene or two right yeah uh you're not the funny what i mean by that i don't mean like people aren't going to laugh at your performance i mean like it's oftentimes not the comedic character performance that you're playing you're playing the straight person in that yeah 
great being a proxy for the audience or someone who is not a comedic character and in some sort of exaggerated personality types like Andy Samberg's character was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So there's an art to that and being able to make sure that you allow the funny to be yeah. the funny and you do your part. So I just kind of, you know, it took me taking not just improv and sketch, but some real acting. Yeah. Um, through my buddy Gabe Dell, who's a brilliant acting coach. Because there's there's that. discipline in there. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just saying Gabe Dell is was 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 you know the person who really taught me and continues to teach me, in my opinion, about what acting is. You know, um, yeah. And he's available as a coach out here in Los Angeles. If you're in Los Angeles, Gabriel Govecchio or Gabe Dell, Jr. Um, um, so once I took some real acting, that it lets you kind of like know what your part is, what your place is, what your role is in the overall. And that helps you not try to make a day player at theater and, you know, do more than you should be doing. Cause it's gotta be tempting. Cause yeah, like, I guess, you know, in your role in that, like you're the dude that guards the armory. So they can't yeah. get like, he, he wants to get like a machine gun from you. Yeah, and you're, it, you're, it, he has noble it, intentions. They were like trying to support in the storyline, <laughs> sir. But yeah, he's comedically trying to dupe this guy into giving him more than what he should have. But it's gotta be tempting, man. Like whenever like Andy Sandberg throws you something funny to like want to, like oh, jump, yeah, you know. Of course, of course, you want to do that. I mean, because that's again. I was gonna tell uh, on that day on the set. I was gonna tell Andy a uh, uh, Andy Sandberg story of mine, um, where I was late to set. I was late for an audition once, and they 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 uh, do the auditions on the campus where they was, used to shoot Brooklyn Nine Nine at uh, the CBS uh, Radford. Um, so I was late for an audition, and then the security guard tells me, "Hey, man, they're shooting. Where you're gonna be going for this audition? You may have to wait a while." And I was like, "Uh huh, uh huh." But I was late. I was like, "No, dude, I can't be late to this particular office because they're always awesome for bringing me in." So I said, "Well, I've been on a bunch of shoots. I know when they're shooting or not. If the camera's actually rolling, I'll, you know, see if what's happening." So I get there and I see like they're not shooting. So I just kind of keep walking like I belong, and I'm about to make my right turn into that little house that's uh, the, the, <laughs> where they did the auditions or whatever. And one person on set took off his glasses, turned around, and looked at me like harshly, and I'm like froze it was Andy Samberg oh cool <laughs> <laughs> and he put him back on and I kept and I kept walking so I was gonna tell him that story but dude are you kidding me Andy Samberg was on set was telling some awesome story about you know when he was on the stage with Lonely Island and Kanye West coming up so I'm like I am not gonna interrupt I'm gonna just sit back and be shut the hell up and listen to this awesome story this dude is telling about you know oh. being a celebrity <laughs> superstar Dwayne I was actually I wasn't even gonna bring this uh, so it's just it's just because you just brought up Kanye and like mm -hmm. A lot of times, like when I have a guest on, I'll just like look at like I'll just go get on Twitter, see what's trending, maybe see if there's anything in your town that's trending, or maybe my town, mm -hmm. and see if there's something. But um, all I found was like, have you heard about Kanye's uh, new collab with uh, his like his Yeezy collab with the Gap? I have not. No. Oh okay. yes, I did. Where uh, what I heard bags. was that yeah, trash bags. <laughs> that's how he wanted it when someone tried to change that in some way. Uh, well, the reason I brought it up is it's probably my favorite Kanye project in many years now. So basically. So, you know, he worked at The Gap, like before his career took off. And so, but now, but now he's got his this huge clothing line. And so when he, like he, when they signed this contract with him, he made it where they have to sell his clothes. They can't put them on hangers and racks. Yeah. They have to be in giant trash bags. And then he said that the, uh, the people that work there can't help you find your size. They just have to dig through the trash <laughs> bag and find it. And everything in there is like I super, mean, there's like $350, like long sleeve shirts in there. that You, I mean, you, like you got to appreciate, you know, how he's coming at society like he's really <laughs> taking us for a ride with that one like <laughs> in my opinion my opinion only it doesn't be the opinion of the show uh <laughs> no he's, he's basically putting out stuff that doesn't look that great it kind of looks like you're dressing like hodgepodge kind of like homelessness right and then to put him in bags to have people rummage through him. maybe he's like 
it's an art satirically project. mocking society, you know, society saying, look at you, you know, and satire, the goal is not, you know, trying to elicit a laugh. It's just to hold up that mirror. And I think he is holding up a mirror with a lot of, you know, obviously is uh, the work. You can just go by the content of a lot of his songs. He's trying to tell us to look at ourselves and our behavior, even though he could, you know, st stand to do that a bit himself. But I think he's doing that with some of the fashion stuff, too. He's just saying, look at you. Look at us. What is this? <laughs> but what I thought was like, do you think, you know, especially like, you know, working at the Gap, like when he was a kid or like younger, and then now he can kind of do whatever he wants. Do you think he was just kind of like waiting his whole life to be like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to make the Gap sell clothes out of trash bags. Like, you know, we, we, <laughs> I think we, we put more on people than uh, we give people more credit than they are due. Uh, he probably thought of that shit like five minutes before they put him out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also put him in trash bags. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I just love that, like because I was reading some of the quotes, man, and he was like, he's like, I'm not sorry. He's like, yeah, yeah, I love like, that. I like, love that. I'm not sorry. Yeah. Uh, these clothes. This it's is my funny, life. Man. You know, an anarchist by any means. I don't believe in chaos as a way of life or anything like that. But shit like that made me laugh because you can't go. You, he's right in the in that you can't go around apologizing for your opinion all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, not all the time. Not everywhere you go. Not because someone said so. Like if you truly feel remorse, of course you should apologize. If you truly recognize through you know facts that you are wrong about something, of course you should apologize. But if you don't think that you're wrong, if you don't believe that in your heart of hearts, fuck it, bro, live your life. I mean, dude, he didn't force the Gap to sign exactly. a contract with him. He's the artist. He's this is his shit. They had the same the contract. That, he said, you know what I mean? Like they saw it too. Yeah, they want to put the word Yeezy on their. Right, because he's hot. He got eyeballs, yeah. so they, you know you got to accept that that what comes with it. So I had a question for you that came out of this though, because like you know, I, like I might like you said, I might be reading into this way too much. And like you said, he might have thought of that five minutes before, probably forgot he ever worked at the Gap. But uh, I was thinking, like for you, like did you ever have a job back in the day where like if if all of a sudden you could just kind of do whatever you want, and you would would you do a collab? with one of your past employers just to fuck with them just to like do something stupid and funny like make them sell their shit at a trash bag if i did a collab a collab if i if i ever get famous enough for anyone to want to do a collab which is not my goal i'm not trying to be famous in any way i just like i want to work uh but if i do it'll probably be with a restaurant uh a place where that you know got me to the state i am in that i don't want to be in because i eat too too much so i'm sure there would be some fried foods involved and it would probably most likely be Roscoe's. And it would be me and Roscoe saying, you know, here's our new healthy recipe for all you <laughs> people, heart smart people out there where it's all baked and I don't know what the hell. But that would be as close as I'd come. As just, oh, just, they'll go like diverge from their menu 100%. I'd, I'd want something ironic. I'd want yeah. something where you'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, like, why, why would they do that with him? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking like, I used to uh, be a delivery dude for Jimmy John's. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking, like, if you know, if I had a collab with them, like, a, a like a my views are my own podcast collab. If this ever became like, I'd be like, yeah, here's my my concept, dude. It's like a trough. It's like you know, you, <laughs> and you like you slop the hogs, dude. And I'm like, so, and so I just take the sandwiches, and there'll be a bunch of garbage in the trough. And I throw the sandwich in the trough. And you got to find your own sandwich. And the people that work there can't help you find it. <laughs> yeah, you call it hog wild. <laughs> call it hog wild with Jimmy John's. Slop time. Yeah. Slop time. <laughs> All right, uh, yo, if you're, a, yeah. if you're a Jimmy John's executive and you're listening to this, hit can't me up. Can't steal his idea. Uh, <laughs> you can't steal my idea. 2022. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I got something to tell you, dude. We yes. are dangerously close to the lightning round. Uh, All right. Lightning I got to explain to you how the lightning round works. 
this is yeah i have to like so i ask you the questions super super fast i'll give you i'll give you a warning before we start i'll tell you what the kind of subject matter is but sure. uh you have to go with your heart and your gut go with your brain because if you, if you think too hard <laughs> it, it'll mess you up man you just got to go okay. fast all right here we go uh, today's uh lightning round topic is all about weather weather yes yes got it okay all right <clears throat> first one which type of cloud is better cumulus or stratus Hmm, I'm gonna go with Stratus because they seem like they get high. Damn, you said Stratus. I was I'm I respect your opinion, but I'm more of like a cumulus guy myself. I like the, the I'll big be fluffy honest, clouds. I'll be honest, I have no idea what the difference would be. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look up what Stratus clouds look like before I wrote this question because I was like, what do they look like? And I was like, oh, okay, they're like the wispy ones. Well, I, all I thought of was the word stratosphere. So I was like, well, I've been up in the stratosphere on a plane. So if those are oh, the ones yeah. that are there. Then I like them. <laughs> Never even once has it occurred to me that their name's Stratus because they're in the stratosphere. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know that, that that to be true. <laughs> it's just my deducing. All right. This next one's uh, a scary question. Uh, which is scarier, a water spout or a dust devil? Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to go with water spout because a water yeah. spout most likely would be in public. And I don't know if you've seen <laughs> public water spouts. <laughs> Gross. I've I've never seen a water spout. I just I mean I, I guess I've seen them on like on video. Oh, spout! I was thinking of water fountain, water spout. Oh, like oh, like in Vegas. Uh, it's, like, it's like a it's like a little it's like, like a little tornado made out of water. Oh, or or what was he on the dust? The dust devil. So that's like the little miniature tornado made out of dust. Oh, I'm really familiar with those because I used to live in devil. Tucson. I'm going to change my answer because I was ignorant to what the question was, and go with dust devil because that stuff can get in your eyes. That's exactly what I was thinking. With the dust devil, you can get shit in your eyes, and it could really hurt. You can yeah. get a whole rock in your eye; it could really actually hurt you. And that so, serious but, damage. But I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm kind of afraid of drowning. I don't know, man. It's, I think we're all afraid of drowning. Thus, the torture <laughs> method of yeah. the waterboarding. Oh yeah, the waterboarding. Uh, and this when the podcast went on a seriously dark turn. <laughs> yeah. Always end on waterboarding. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, actually, we're not because we're going into. One of my favorite questions of the day. Um, so in 2007, Baby mm -hmm. Bash and T-Pain wrote the iconic weather-inspired hit dance song and titular track, Cyclone. Mm -hmm. uh, what weather event do you think they should write a song about next if they ever get back together? Uh, I think the obvious choice is Hurricane. Hurricane? Yeah. Double She's moving my body hurricane. like a hurricane and she makes me well, wonder. There's, there's already a song about Hurricane. You know, water spout. Hurricane. She hurt my eyes like a dust devil. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is bad. Uh, any rappers out there, excuse us. Uh, Sorry, but, guys. <laughs> Sorry, uh, T Pain. Yeah, I'm thinking Hurricane. Or, yeah. yeah. Dude, Hurricane, that's, there's an unlimited number of times you can make songs about hurricanes. It's just, a, especially or, a dance you know, song. If I can, if I'm allowed to change my answer again, I'm going to go with Earthquake because I know. Oh. Yeah. somehow that it would be pronounced earth with an f and i just love the sound of that or yeah, earthquake, earthquake so yeah. a song with earthquake in it oh <laughs> yeah earthquake. dude shit we, we gotta we gotta get in touch with uh baby bash and let him know yeah i think so i think <laughs> he's, he's been waiting on this call <laughs> all right this is a tough one man you know this is really this is kind of just uh like you know some of my views are my own podcast if this is just your views dude what do you think the wind should do uh, gust or breeze? 
you know, I'm tired of the wind doing whatever the hell they want. So if I think <laughs> you get to control what the wind should do, it should breeze at yeah. all times, especially in California where it's hot. Yeah, just breeze. We don't need a gust. I don't want to lose my baseball hat. Uh, <laughs> we don't need those gusts. Those gusts are unexpected, inappropriate, and they're just rude. I have a personal okay. question, though, dude, yes. and because it's embarrassing. But have you ever had the wind blow your hat off your head and then you had to chase it? And then, oh. and then you look like a fool because the wind keeps blowing it further away from you, and you're and you're running and you're running bent, bent over. You know, you're like, how, how did I get in this Benny Hill sketch? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it hasn't happened to me, but I, I feel like it has because I've seen it so much. <laughs> I know. I don't know if it's ever been a hat, but I yeah, I've definitely had a hat get blown. Well, off I've my definitely head you know had the wind assault something that I wanted yeah. as I'm trying to grab it for sure. Usually it's papers. You're yeah. like, no, like, and it's too late. <laughs> My important papers. Like an idiot. Yeah, right. There's no way to not look stupid trying to grab because you don't want to fully commit. You're trying yeah. not to get all the way down and crouch down and be on the ground and grabbing it and, and look like a fool that way. But you end up looking like a fool a million different ways trying to not do that. You're like, that's why you're always like trying to like stomp on the papers because that looks cool. Exactly. But like, look how cool I am. I didn't even have to bend over and I got this paper. Now watch still, me bend over. But it's so much like less effective than just grabbing your papers. It really is too all right. Yeah. So we're going to go with Breeze. Yeah. All right, man. This one is uh kind of like I don't know if you've been up on your farmer's almanac if you're gonna be able to answer this. Uh I know, but in the movie The Lord of the Rings, uh mm-hmm. when Legolas says a red sun rises means blood has been spilt this night. Mm-hmm. Is that true when that happens? Is that like is that how that works? Is that how the I'm gonna go with no works? because <laughs> the Lord of the Rings is completely made up. Okay. So I, I'm sure, and I don't know what it is, So, but I'm just going to be sure anyway. I'm sure there's a scientific explanation that has nothing to do with actual blood, but it's just like a red discoloration. So we're going to call it blood because that's how <laughs> humans are. We can't help but think of like violence and sex. So uh, yeah, that's my answer. All right. You guys heard it here first. Legolas the elf is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dwayne, I have one last question, man, and it's clearly it's the most important question I have uh, of all, and that is, where can everybody that's listening, like, where can they like find you, check you out, any like any new projects, anything at all, uh, or like you know if, where they can follow you on social media and stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at just like Stephen. Uh, that's before I met him, so I was just trying to get people to pronounce <laughs> my last name the way I wanted it pronounced. Uh, so it's at just like Stephen with a ph. Uh, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram is at dcolbert01. Dcolbert01. And it's like the D train, right? Is that what it's like? Dwayne handle? train. You better get on. Oh, the Dwayne train. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great name. That's terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah. But uh, as far as things are coming, yeah, things are coming out and happening and stuff. And you'll see my face here and there, uh, is what I'll say. Um, because that's the most I can say. Uh, okay. also oh, writing. cool. That's a, that, that sounds like a teaser of something awesome. <laughs> uh, well, they're all awesome in my book, but yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, still writing uh, a few projects on the horizon there as well. So, Hell yeah. And also, guys, go check out that song we were talking about. Yes. Like, that's literally, yeah. like, like, it's literally, as soon as we're done with this podcast, that's the first thing I'm doing with my life. Right. <laughs> uh, Dwayne, man, thank you so much for spending thank the time so to come talk to me, man. Everybody. This has been yeah. awesome. Uh, finally getting to meet you face to face, dude. Right on, man. Appreciate you.